On today's episode, an injury update with my hip flexor. Welcome to the podcast, helping you train, rehab, and run smarter. When I first started running in my 20s, I knew it would be something I'd be passionate about for the rest of my life. But unfortunately, developing injury after injury disrupted my progress and left me undertrained at the start line on race day. Even with my knowledge as a physio, I still fell victim to the vicious injury cycle and when searching for answers, struggled to decipher between common running myths and evidence-based guidance. That's what this podcast is here to help you with. So join me as a Run Smarter Scholar and let's break the injury cycle by raising your running IQ and achieving running feats you never thought possible. Welcome back, scholars. I have another injury update. (laughs) Um, When I started this podcast, I was giving myself a few um, things that I would be sure of. One was if I ever got injured, I was going to share it and share like what I'm doing to sort of overcome it. Um, Pretty much because it's good to know that, you know, injuries are a part of running. They're a part of like athletic endeavors. And, you know, even... Well, I'm not going to say even the best of us, <laughs> but those who know the run smarter principles still manage to get little niggles here and there. Um, and we shouldn't necessarily be striving for, you know, symptom-free, pain-free, you know, across the whole year. Um, what I usually say or where I like to position myself is that um, true running resilience or true injury prevention is knowing what to do when these little things pop up because injuries are so multifactorial. We could sleep, stress, training loads, shoes, um, everything. So multifactorial. We can't possibly keep all the balls juggling in the air. And so when a ball gets dropped, we need to know exactly what to do in the moment to negotiate these as quickly as possible without losing fitness to then keep heading towards your running goals. So, Um, That's how I like to position, you know, injury prevention. And that's why I like to share the little hiccups that I have um, and have been having. So um, this episode's mainly going to be about my hip flexor, which I'll go through in a second, but I do have a couple of hiccups beforehand. So the first one was a resurfacing of my patellofemoral pain, which I have had in the past, it has, um, it was through my basketball years, um, just a lot of jumping, a lot of running. Um, and I thought it was, uh, it sort of popped up here and there with too much cycling because I do like to do the occasional bike ride and it does put a fair bit of load. For some t- particular reason, cycling has a vulnerability. My knee has a vulnerability to cycling if I you know, ramp it up way too quickly. And I've got a lot of mates who do cycle, they cycle often. And when I join them, you know, it has to be like a 70, 80 K ride, um, just while I hang out with them. So they're my options. (laughs) Um, and I, I should also say that when I decide to dedicate part of my training or, you know, sort of prepare for a cycling race and I do it properly, my knee's totally fine. If I have, I've done a couple of Grand Fondos before, a couple of like day events with my mates and I prepare 
and train accordingly and my knee's totally fine. So just bear that in mind as well. But yes, did have a resurfacing of patellofemoral pain. I went with my girlfriend um, to do like a little baby moon. Um, thanks for everyone who's already sent their well wishes for our baby girl that's due. Um, when's this episode coming out? Soon. Oh, it's coming out next week. Yes, it is. Our, our baby is due in about four weeks. So uh, looking forward to that, I think. <laughs> um, and so we went on a little baby moon, just a weekend getaway to um, like stayed at a uh, resort or hotel. Uh, and while we were there, they had a really nice gym that I wanted to, you know, do some workouts. We did some hiking and that sort of stuff because um, Megan likes walking. But yeah, went uh, on the Sunday morning down into the gym and I'm like, okay, what can I kind of do? Um, I've got a big breakfast coming up, so let's get a good workout. And so I decided to do um, how two minutes, two minutes on the treadmill, two minutes on the bike, two minutes on the rower and do, I think I did four rounds of that. Was it three rounds? Three or four rounds, but each time getting more intense. So first round, kind of like a warm up. Second round, increasing um, that intensity. And last round, just trying to almost max, max myself out for the two minutes. And so that was the workout that I was pretty happy with. And all went well. I think it was only like 24 to 48 hours later that I started getting knee pain. And very similar to the patellofemoral pain that I've had, up going up and down stairs, that's when I could notice it. So I think it was the rower. And I, ha- I haven't really done rowing ever. And so I really poorly timed the effort that I was putting in for those two minutes. Um, to be quite honest, if I was going through three rounds, I think I did the rower the same intensity almost every round because I started off feeling like it was light, like a warm up. But by the end of that two minutes, I'm like, man, I am spent. And so, yeah, I think because I hadn't had much experience with it, because it puts you through a large range of movement through the knee and you have to push off um, through that large range, my knee didn't like it. So what did I do? Um, Back to me telling the story. Uh, I rested for about 24 to 48 hours um, after getting symptoms. So we're talking, I had symptoms about one to two days later, then took one to two days off once I realized I had that. Then I was back into the gym. Uh, I modified my gym. So uh, I think I did I did deadlifts because I know deadlifts isn't that much load through the knees compared to squats or lunges. I did calf raises because I knew that was fine. Um, so I made the conscious effort not to do um, squats or lunges. I did a shorter run the next day and symptoms were fine. Actually, symptoms were like didn't increase at all. And so I was fine with that. And then by a week later or by the next weekend, so I did my rower on a Sunday. By the next Sunday, I did a 10K run and totally fine. Then going back into the gym the following week, I did my squats. Um, Squats were fine, no symptoms whatsoever. And then just today, so um, two weeks later, returned to lunges and... I'll see how I go. <laughs> I've returned back to like full lunges. So my squats are at 65 kilos. So I only weigh 68 kilos. So getting close to body weight, I'll do three sets of eight for that. And my lunges are about 48 kilos. And I do three sets of five on each side. 
So they're sort of the loads we're talking about. And that's, um, you know, quite challenging. And my knee seems to be behaving well. So just a lesson, uh, we don't need to rest for too long. I know I didn't need to rest for too long. Modify a few things just to test things out, either with my running and with my rehab or with my gym workouts. See how things go from there and then build upon. So quickly negotiated. Last week, I played basketball. <laughs> um, I've started playing basketball again, just little like scrimmage sort of matches um, and something I really enjoy, but just haven't had the right time to do it. And now the baby's on the way, probably won't be doing it for while, um, I don't know, in the foreseeable future. Nonetheless, rolled my ankle <laughs> um, and kept playing. Like I've had a history of rolled ankles. I've played basketball my whole life. And most times these days I'll roll my ankle, I'll limp around up and down the court maybe twice. And then I can then run not limping with pain. And then all of a sudden I start running without pain. And so managed to just work my way through that, um, kept playing. And then the next day, you know, I wasn't limping, but it was pretty sore. Um, sore to like roll the ankle, like um, invert the ankle. And like I said, I've had a long history of it, but kept moving. Um, I think didn't run for two or three days, um, then got back into a walk run, was fine, then just got back into running and I was okay. Right now I can still feel it a little bit if I invert my foot, but I've been seeing improvements day by day and just building up my running. So I did a uh, ankle sprain episode um, ages ago, but you can just search ankle sprain. Um, run Smarter Podcast Ankle if you just type in that, the episode should pop up and uh, pretty much advise that once you can do the, once you can do something, it's important that you do the thing. <laughs> so once you can walk without limping, it's important that you do that. If you can start jogging without pain, it's important that you do that. If you can start squatting and lunging without pain, it's important that you do that. You're sort of resuming all of these tasks as soon as you're able to. And so that's essentially what I did for my ankle and it was a lot better. Um, just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes. So fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. If my ankle sprain was a lot worse than what it was, I'd probably ice for 24 hours. Um, I, I have this really good ice bucket thing that I like doing, um, which I explained on that other podcast episode. Um, but I do that. I'd probably do some TheraBand exercises and some wobble board stuff. Um, I would almost escalate my rehab um, and prioritize my rehab if it, if it was worse than what it was now. So I would have done the, you know, standard banded exercise and wobbleboard stuff for a couple of days, then tried to get back into running. But, you know, I essentially just skipped all that because I knew that it was less, um, it wasn't as severe as other ankle stuff that I've had in the past. So that's an update on the knee. That's an update on the ankle. Time to get into the main stuff, which is my hip flexor injury, which has, I think a lot of people can relate. This is an injury that I've had for a long time that just pops up for a couple of days, doesn't really bother me too much. And then I'm just back to doing everything that I used to do, but 
keeps coming back. It'll come back once every six months, once every 12 months, something like that. And I'm just content with that. I'm like, you know what, if I do something a little bit silly and I have one day of a hip flexor issue or maybe a couple of days of a hip flexor issue and then back to normal, I'm okay with that. But now I'm not okay with that. I did a bike ride, um, but then I did the next day, I did a workout involving box jumps and, you know, whether it was a bike ride or not, it was definitely like the box jumps had a an influence, but whether it was a combination of the two left me with about three or four days of soreness. And this is the same side. So my hip flex is on my right side and this is the same side I have hip like impingement, FAI, not, you know, most self-diagnosed, but 95% sure it is. Um, haven't had any scans on it or anything, but that, it just doesn't bother me. Um, but wondering if that's linked as well. But I did document my hip flexor journey on YouTube. Uh, if you're on my socials email list, you would have seen this come out. Uh, you would have also seen that I put a hole in the wall um, doing some of these exercises. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but anyway, this is the history and this is like the behavior of the symptoms. I'll do something. I'll do box jumps. Totally fine. Afterwards, totally fine. Go to bed. Totally fine. But it's not until like the early morning hours of laying in bed. It's just like a throb. It's a mild throb, but it's there. Um, and four between four and 6am is when it's noticeable. And then I'll get up and it'll be fine. But then the next morning, if it's really irritated, there's that throbbing again. So that's how this injury has behaved, which is quite strange. But nonetheless, I've just recognized that as my symptoms. This is my behavior of symptoms. Um, and so it was time to do something. I was over it. I'm like, you know what? Yes, it comes back once every six months, which isn't a big deal. But, you know, let's set higher standards for myself. <laughs> let's try to put something in. Um, and document the journey along the way because I thought it would be a compelling YouTube video to sort of help people because I didn't want to be apprehensive about box jumps in the future. Um, I didn't want to retreat to safety, which is like one of my lessons. I, um, if you have your own injury and you're constantly retreating to safety, that's not being resilient. That's not being like this run smarter injury prevention mindset um, because a lot of people have injuries and every time they introduce speed, that injury comes back. And so they just don't do speed workouts anymore. Some people do, you know, 10K runs. And every time they do a 10K run, then their injury surfaces. They're like, oh, let me just do 8K runs and be content with that. No, we, should, we shouldn't be retreating to safety. We should be tackling it and being proactive with it head on. And that's what I decided to do with my hip flexor. So what did I do? What was step one? Step one was to wait until I was back to baseline. I didn't want to have the throbbing stuff. Um, I didn't want to have that bothering me while I started my rehab. And I knew it would only take two days to settle. So I waited two days and then decided to increase. I should say as well, like one of the reasons why I want to do the box jumps was because I do have a baby on the way. And I know that doing, you know, 30, 40, 60, 90 minute runs probably won't suit my lifestyle for much to much longer, but you know, 12 to 15 minute intense workouts might be right up my alley to maintain my fitness. And so prioritizing that, that's why I started doing the box jumps in the first place. Um, and that's sort of a reason for me to get really good and really resilient at these box jumps. 
So wait a couple of days for symptoms to settle. I'd wake up, symptoms are gone. Okay, time to start rehab. So I'd revert back to my favorite hip flexor exercise of all time, which is using a TheraBand resistance band. I put it around my knees. I'm standing up and I just sort of almost march, but drive my knee up towards the ceiling as far as I can. Um, And for some reason, the band stays in place. I sort of position it so that it doesn't roll up my legs. Um, It sort of stays anchored to the back of my knee. It stays anchored to the, the front of my knee for the one that I'm driving up and just stays there. But if you're doing this exercise and you notice that the band, when you drive the knee up towards the ceiling, the band just rolls up your thighs, um, you can put the band around your feet or you could do one of the progressions I'll talk about in a second. But I love that exercise. It's an exercise that I have been doing, you know, the, the six months that this, this does pop up, it does a really good job. Good enough for me to get pain-free, good enough for me to feel like resilient, and then I just forget about it. <laughs> but I know it's worked for me in the past, so that's what I kept to. I did three sets of 10, each side, even though I'm injured on one side, I always do both sides, three times a day. So banded exercises, yeah, they feel really burny and feel quite challenging in the moment, but they don't, they're not challenging enough to require DOMS or, um, you know, you recover very quickly. So I've you bump up the frequency. I did them three times a day. Once I did that for about three or four days, I then increased and progressed to a tougher band. So I went from a green band to a blue band, which, you know, doesn't really much, doesn't do much for you listening, but um, slightly tougher. So I did that, did that for a couple of days. Then I progressed to increasing my range of movement, which if you can imagine me standing upright, just both feet on the ground, I would then drive my knee up as high as I can. And then my foot would go relatively closer back to the ground, back to the starting point. What I do to progress the range of movement is I would drive it up as high as I can. So I was like kind of close to my chest, but then when I drop my knee back down, it sort of goes back to 90 degrees. So back to like um, horizontal with the floor and then go back up go back to horizontal, then go back up. So I've got this really upper range to get through. And that's really, really tough. And I do that because I suspect that the main hip flexor that is involved in this injury is my psoas muscle. The psoas muscle is the main primary hip flexor, particularly in deeper ranges of hip flexion. In lower ranges of hip flexion, say if I go from um, the foot being on the floor to that horizontal 90 degrees, you know, you, you, use your hip, you use your psoas, but you also use a bit of your quads, like the top of your quads and a few other muscles. So upper ranges would bias my injury muscle, my injured muscle the most. So that's why I progressed that. Um, and you can try that as a progression as well. It's what I like to, like to do. Um, and my injury was fine. Next day, fine. Every time I progressed these exercises, didn't really have, I don't think I had any symptoms from memory, but then a week later, I decided to make a a total different shift in my rehab. So here's what I did. I scrapped the resistant band exercise. So the the sort of um, marching exercise and replaced the band with a kettlebell. So I took the handle of the kettlebell. I put um, my forefoot through the handle of the kettlebell and then lifted it up. 
I had to raise myself onto a step with my other leg so that, you know, the kettlebell started applying resistance from the start of the movement. And um, that's kind of introducing more slow, heavy stuff. The banded stuff is good, um, but the banded stuff, like the higher up the the further into the movement you go, the more tension that is applied. But with the kettlebell, once we can, we can be quite systematic and progressive with our strength. Like the bands are very subjective in terms of how much force you're actually applying. But for this, I could go, you know, eight kilograms, 10 kilograms, 12 kilograms, and, you know, systematically work my way through more and more kettlebells. And it's the same application, the same force throughout the entire movement. So I did like that. Um, I really enjoyed them actually. My hips felt like really strong afterwards after doing those exercises. So um, yeah, glad I in- introduced those. So that was exercise number one. I added another one, which is kind of meeting the demands of box jumps. Because if you think about the box jumps, you jump in the air and then you just rapidly bring your knees towards your chest to sort of clear the the box. And so your hip flexors need to work kind of with body weight, but rapidly, like really fast speed type of stuff. And so I wanted that speed power based type of movement and the kettlebell, like I say, is slow, heavy. So what I did was mountain climbers. Um, if you're not familiar with mountain climbers, you're in like a push up position and you just almost jog in that spot driving your knee towards your chest and you're just alternating those legs. So if you're not familiar, you can always just Google or YouTube mountain climbers. But I added one extra element and that was putting resistance bands around my toes. So if I'm doing, if I'm in the push-up position, I've fixated the bands to something behind me and then it's wrapped around that fixation point and then it's wrapped around my toes. And then as I'm driving uh, my knee up towards my chest, just on my affected side. Didn't do both sides for some reason, but the resistance is then being applied. So I'm doing fast speed work. It is quite fast, but just a little bit more resistance uh, as opposed to just body weight stuff. And that really got it working as well. It really matched. I felt like it was matching the demands of box jumps, which is sort of like an insight that we need to have. Um, I talk about this on the YouTube video So my first insight was don't retreat to safety. I've talked about that already. The second insight is make sure you be progressive, but you want to be progressive in the direction towards what you want to do. This is a unique circumstance where I'm not talking about running. I'm actually talking about box jumps. And so the demands were the speed work. The demands were like, you know, high volume, fast power based stuff. And so my rehab needed to progress to the point where I'm sort of meeting those conditions But for you and your injuries, that might be, you know, endurance stuff. It might be speed. It might be heels. It might be minimalist shoes. Whatever your injury is susceptible to, find your starting point, progress your exercises to eventually meet the demands, have it look similar to what you want it to do, whether that's endurance, strength, power, plyometric sort of stuff. Um, That's another insight but I also reduced the frequency of these exercises, which is another another important tip because I could continue progressing, progressing, progressing. But like I said, I started with the banded exercises, started doing it three times a day, three sets of 10, three times a day. And I can't simply progress to I'm doing 
15 kilogram kettlebell hip flexors and doing these mountain climbers um, with some tough bands for 33 by 30 seconds and, you know, doing that three times a day and expecting to get better. The balance between load and recovery isn't there. So I needed to shift my frequency to something less frequent. So I did my hip flexor stuff. I think I did four sets of eight with the kettlebell stuff. By eight, it was a struggle. I don't think I could do 10. That's how tough it was. And the mountain climbers, I did 20, four sets of 20. So I was just counting one side and driving my knee up 20 times. So it'd be 40 if you're counting both legs. Um, Yeah, four sets of those and I alternated days. So one day would be my kettlebell day. The other day would be my mountain climber day. And I only do it once in that day. So not three times, backed it off to once and then divided those exercises into alternate days. So, you know, a quite significant reduction in my frequency, but quite a substantial increase in my load. So pay close attention to that um, because I've seen clients, like they jump on injury chats with me or they start working with me. They've, they've listened to the podcast. They're doing all the right things. They're doing the right exercises, the rehab. And I just tell them they're doing it too much. You're doing the right exercises, but you're doing it twice a day, every single day. And your injury isn't getting better because you're not getting that recovery time. It's just staying in this chronically, you know, overloaded, achy kind of state. So then they get significantly better when we just reduce the frequency. So keep that in mind. Whenever I progressed my banded exercise, so whenever I went from 20 to 30, or whenever I went from one yellow band to a yellow and green band doing the mountain climbers, almost consistently, I would have that achiness the next morning. So symptoms were returning. Um, they would last one day. Not when I progressed the kettlebell stuff, When I always when I progressed the mountain climbers, which meant that I'm onto something with meeting the demands of box jumps because that seemed to be my common aggravating factor. But strangely enough, so I would do my mountain climbers. The next morning, I'd like 6 a.m., I'd notice that ache in my hip. Um, I would then do my kettlebells that day. Then the next morning, no pain. Then I would do the same amount of mountain climbers the next time and no pain. And so in a, a roundabout way of saying, I quickly adapted to those conditions and it only took one I think maybe sometimes some of the progressions, it took two, but for the most part, all it took was one progression and then I had adapted to that demand. And so about once a week, I would progress my mountain climbers. Every time I would have this mild achiness in my hip, but then doing it thereafter, no pain, no pain doing that exercise for the next week until I progressed it again. And yeah, I just got, it was really encouraging to see. I was just getting stronger and stronger and stronger and I was okay that my acceptable pain was if I had a one or a two vague ache reminder the next day and then it was fine, you know, that day and the day after. So that's how my injury behaved and how I was, um, you know, documenting my symptoms to see what was acceptable in terms of progressing and symptoms and that sort of stuff. Um, then there was a challenge. Uh, throughout that journey... I did try out the box jumps again, because I need to 
find out how much progression I was making. And so I was then doing some box jumps. I did a workout where I didn't have to box jump as high because I have one of those plyer boxes where you, you put it on every different side is a different height. Um, I did one 15-minute workout, was it 20 minutes, 20-minute workout with a smaller box, no pain. Then the next week I did another workout which was identical to the workout that caused the flare-up in the first place, which caused like, you know, three or four days of soreness. I did it and I had that same reminder the next morning. I had that same achiness, but it was less. It was like a one or a two out of 10. And it only lasted that one morning. So I was on the right track. Initially did that workout. I think by the end, so the workout itself was 10 box jumps, 10 reformer skaters on each side and 10 kettlebell swings on repeat for 20 minutes. And I think I get through about 10 rounds. So that's ending up being about a hundred box jumps. So quite a lot, probably more. Anyway, um, it's a lot. And now I'm doing that same volume and only getting one morning of one to two out of 10 pain compared to three to four days of like a two or a three, sometimes more out of 10 pain. So I'm heading in the right direction. So I progressed, I continued to progress. I, one morning I um, progressed my kettlebell exercise. I didn't have some in between. So I had a, a 10 kilogram kettlebell. And for some reason, based on the equipment I have, I only my next one up was 16 kilograms. It's a big jump from 10 to 16. And stupid me, tried to, I've caught this all on film. So this is in my YouTube video. It's in the opening scene, by the way. Um, tried the 16 kilograms, um, hiked up my knee towards my chest. I managed to hold on. And then I tried the second time and my f- toes weren't pointing up. My, my toe extensors weren't strong enough to hold on to the kettlebell. So halfway up, um, the kettlebell has all this momentum going up towards my chest and then it just slips off my foot, slams into the wall, creates a hole in the wall. And yeah, I swore <laughs> and had to beep it out for YouTube, but had to repair it. So now um, a week and a half later, it is repaired. But yeah, quite a stupid move on my behalf. But Looking back in hindsight, you know, um, these things happen. Uh, but I progressed, progressed, progressed. The the journey's on YouTube, like I said. And then finally did that workout, did the same box jumps, the same height, everything, and then no pain. So I was really happy with that. I reached my goal. But this comes to my last insight that I have for you. And that is now what I would usually do is rehab it until I'm symptom free and then just forget about it until, you know, I have to do box jumps in another couple of months or I have to do a long bike ride in, you know, another couple of months and then just return. I'll be like, Oh yeah, there it is again. So I've dedicated myself to do a few things to make sure that I'm mitigating this as much as possible. One, I'm continuing my mountain climbers. I probably not going to do the kettlebell one. (laughs) If I'm really honest, I think the, the mountain climbers like, you know, just target that area so much more, but I'm going to do that only just once, once every, uh, once or twice every week is what I pledge to do. 
I've put the the bands around my Pilates reformer that are, is in the gym. So when I walk past it, I'm reminded to do them because if I don't have pain, I'm not reminded to do them. So I've put them there just so I have that reminder. So one to two weeks, I'll do that, that exercise. Uh, and I also am going to do a box jump workout, it, depending when we have this baby, how much time I have available and what my sleep and everything's like. But if things are going well, I'm going to do a box jump workout once every one to two weeks. So that's, that's plenty of um, occurrence to you know, help stimulate my hip flexors and sort of maintain the strength that I've gained. And so I recommend that you do the same with your injuries. Once you've, if it keeps popping up, if it's an injury that keeps coming back, you know, put in some safeguards, mitigate it with some some action plans and be more proactive than um, you probably have been if it keeps coming back. So recap, don't retreat to safety, tackle it head on, be more proactive. Once you do have that action plan, progress that action plan, progress to meet the demands of what you want it to do. And then once you're better, keep it up. You can significantly back off the frequency, but you need to maintain something. Otherwise, you know, the same thing will happen like it's happened to me. So um, if any injuries do pop up in the future, I'll let you know. I'll let you know how I'm trying to train smarter based on the lessons that I preach. Hopefully I practice what I preach. I'm not too sure how much I'm going to be pushing myself in the next couple of months. Uh, you know, probably if an injury is around the corner, it's due to lack of sleep rather than overload. Um, but I will continue to be as sensible as possible and keep you updated. So until next time, every new insight brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough. If you are struggling to overcome an injury, you can jump on a free 20-minute injury chat with me, which you can book through my calendar in the show notes. While you're in the show notes, elevate your running IQ by jumping onto my free email list so you can receive material to help rehab your injury, lower your injury risk, and increase your performance. If emails aren't for you, consider my Facebook group, Instagram, and YouTube channels. And remember, each insight you get from these resources brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough.